Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Thank you for joining as always. And if you're new here, welcome to the Bitcoin rabbit hole as more and more of you are starting to understand what Bitcoin is and what it's going to mean for you and your family and your future and why education is so important. And that's why I'm looking forward to you listening to Scott and Tali here who have made an incredible board game for you to be able to play with your family, your friends, and just try and help them understand and perhaps even get a deeper understanding yourself about Bitcoin. Now, those of you that listen to the show regularly, you know I'm a big proponent of homeschooling, alternative education, world schooling, unschooling, call it whatever you will. Scott and Tali have done the same with their kids. Uh, they've never been to school and we get into that kind of conversation and they are trying their best to orange pill that community. Uh, homeschoolers are Bitcoiners that just don't know it yet and vice versa Bitcoiners you are homeschoolers that you just don't know it yet if you've separated education from state you will separate money from state and vice versa these go hand in hand and I'm so honored and humbled to be able to straddle both of these groups of people and help each of you down those respective rabbit holes also you will know I'm way behind on content. I had such an incredibly busy first quarter of the year. Scott and Tali, I'm so sorry you've waited so long for this one to come out and that we missed the release before Miami. But anybody out there that's getting along to homeschooling conferences or other conferences and that can help Scott and, Scott and Tali shill, hoddle up, please reach out to them whenever you can and just let's go. <laughs> that's, that's the message. Let's go. Uh, if you're stacking sats, good for you. If you haven't been and you're new, like I said, you want to find Bitcoin only companies to help you do that. Stay Bitcoin focused. Do not get sidelined by the flashy lights and the promises from the shitcoiners. Okay, Bitcoin only. Where can you stack your sats with Bitcoin only companies in the US? SwanBitcoin.com forward slash Bitten. Been a long time supporter of this show for almost its entirety. Jan and Corey came on as they were launching Swan back in April 2020. Brilliant team, brilliant service, and they can help you with your retirement funds and high net worth individuals and just your local $10 a week pleb. It doesn't matter. Relay, do the same for you in Europe. R-E-L-A-I forward slash Bitten and use the code Bitten. Download the app and you can start buying Bitcoin immediately. No KYC required. Just add your payment method and you can start stacking. Coin Corner are based in the UK. They are an exchange. You set up an account with them. You can do a merchant account with them. If you are a business looking to accept Bitcoin, you can also do that with Relay as well across Europe. Coin Corner accepts sterling and euros, and you can link your Bolt card and use a Bolt card as like an ATM card at point of sale machines where people are accepting Bitcoin and use that to pay via the Lightning Network straight out of your account. It's literally like having a bank account. Coin Corner doing great work and more news to come from them as always as this year plays out. Hoddle Hoddle, global, excuse me, global trading and lending platform, hodlhodl.com. Use the link in the show notes to get that 
little discount on the commissions that adds up a lot when you're making these trades they're kyc free what does that mean it means you don't have to upload your passport your date of birth your any of this no you get on there you find your trading partners and you make those trades peer to peer wasabiwallet.io what wasabi they are a privacy focused company that are offering a coin join service so when you're pulling the bitcoin off of these apps and exchanges it's a good idea to try and break that link to those services so you can use a coin join service there are a few out there go do your own research wasabiwallet.io they support this show with max hillebrand who's been on the show two or three times already you can go and listen to some of those earlier episodes where we get into all of these privacy questions you should be cold storaged up to the max if you're not use a bitbox that is bitbox02 by bitbox used to be shift crypto but they've rebranded bitbox.swiss forward slash bitten is the code and five percent off using the code bitten to get that storage device the hardware wallet which everybody should be using and cold storing their bitcoin mempool.space what is it it's the bitcoin blockchain go and have a look at it if you've never seen the bitcoin blockchain this is a perfect visualization mempool.space do a great job of educating you as well there's loads of tabs there and you can follow your transactions and get an idea and see actually what is happening behind the scenes so get across to mempool.space orange pull app is where you're going to find bitcoin events to get to and plebs to get to and meet with in your area and conferences coming up are liberty in our lifetime in prague in october put on by free cities foundation use the code bitten for a discount and the honey badger the baltic honey badger by hodl hodl same code guys bitten gets you 10 percent off enjoy this show with scott and tali all right we're here with scott and tali uh the inventors creators of the uh the board game hodl up how, how are you guys doing doing great thank you you guys great it's nice to meet you <laughs> it's wonderful to meet you guys yeah great to I meet see you your daughter's too. with us <laughs> yes she is she's uh she, she usually asks the first question so buckle up buckle up okay <laughs> um so what is your favorite thing about bitcoin you want to take that or you want me to take that for for me it is giving me hope for our kids because i used to get well, i still get mad when i look at the news and i would want to yell, but it really didn't do anything. And I, I now have a framework and an understanding of how things really work. And I don't like what I see in the news, but I, the thing for me is I have hope for the kids. And then I, just a personal testimony, have lowered my time preference. So in terms of food and exercise and sleep and other things, it has been personally beneficial as well. And Tally? I just like the, yeah. <laughs> I just like the fact that um, because Bitcoin has limited supply, we don't have to worry about inflation. And the first book that converted me to even try to walk toward the rabbit hole was the book called uh, Hard Money You Can't F With. And in right. that book, uh, he talked about the Wright brothers inventing the airplane and how they worked during the day and they were able to put away their money and not have to worry about spending extra time to invest it so that it will hold value. They devoted their time to inventing the airplane and it changed the world. 
and that they were only able to do that without the pressure of investors saying, hey, what about our return? You know, it's been six months kind of thing because the money held its value. And that's an impossibility mm-hmm. today. And it makes me so sad. So that's my favorite part of Bitcoin. Yeah, great book. Shout out for Jason. It's, uh, it's yeah, a very good sure. book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to ask you this other question that I already know, but um, it's for the listeners. So um, why did you create the game? Oh, you already know why? Okay. Well, <laughs> so the, the, the reason I guess that I personally love games, I've always loved games. And Tali and I have been homeschooling for 20 years. So you have the education piece and we were working games into our, our curriculum. And this was a way for me to help teach the family. And it's something I can pass on to them whenever they're ready. And it's something you can also play just because I like the, that aspect of it. Then um, I also learned a lot. I had to do a lot of research in order to make the game actually reflect what Bitcoin does and how Bitcoin works. And that was a struggle. It was over two years of, of iterations to, to do that. But I love learning. Our, our house is like a library. I just love learning new things. And it's an endless rabbit hole. No matter how deep you go, you just keep on learning things. So I love having an impact on people too. So kind of a third a third aspect is we're seeing people play the game and ask questions that otherwise would not have asked questions about Bitcoin. And so now I didn't design the game for that reason per se, but it's been very personally fulfilling to watch people kind of start to come around and ask questions. So... Yeah. Did you enjoy playing it? Yeah, because I beat you. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask who won. Wow. Yeah, okay. we just Good we job. just played we just played a quick round of uh, it was a shotgun round and just the two of us and and four um treasury wallets uh, and that yeah, mm-hmm. she she got me good. Wonderful. Let's put it that way. Wonderful. So can I did, did you use the the second video that Tali made to help you understand? Because it's uh, you didn't have anybody there to help you along, so I, I was very curious how you got through that. Yeah, well, I can uh, I, actually. Do you do you want to go, or are you happy to sit? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I was confused. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I can go. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, bye. Thank you. <laughs> oh, bye. It's nice meeting you. Nice meeting you too. Yeah. Okay. Take care now. Um, yeah. So the first time I, I started digging in to try and understand it was with my parents. So thank you guys. Uh, that was, oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's taken me a long time to try and uh, open their up, open them up to to Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. My mom has actually tried to read a book. She read uh, Victoria Collette Jones' book, um, Truth Decay, uh, which is a good book actually from a dentist standpoint, mm-hmm. which um, is a very underrated book. Uh, definitely uh, pick up a cop- copy if you can. So she's read that. Um, I bought my dad a, a Bitcoin for Dummies book for Father's Day last year, and he took offense. Uh, so <laughs> I'm like, no, the whole for Dummies thing is a franchise, Dad. They have it for everything. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. So I, I'm now fantastic. in um, possession of that particular book myself, uh, as I found it collecting <laughs> <The re-gift>. dust. <laughs> yeah. The regift, fantastic. So I explained yeah. to them <laughs> that the game had arrived and uh, that you'd kindly sent it over for us to, to have a play around with um, before we delved into the podcast and that uh, I needed some guinea pigs to, to help me figure out how to play it. And um, 
they were they were Johnny and Johnette on the spot, uh, unfortunately for them, or fortunately for me. And so we broke into it, and we were, yeah, you you were right, Scott. Uh, the first time is definitely the hardest. Um, we were we were muffling our way through it, and when you sent over the the, the video that Tali made, that that made a hell of a lot more sense. But we were trying to follow mm. the original YouTube video that you had set, and um, the instruction pamphlet. And this will probably uh, make you laugh. We didn't shuffle the cards was our first mistake. So the difficulty adjustment (laughs) was just, it's like, hang on a second. It did say you're going to have a love-hate relationship with this difficulty adjustment dial. I just hate the fucking thing right now because it doesn't How are all these cards number nine? This doesn't make, and it was my mum. She said, do you think we should have shuffled them? I'm like, let's check nine 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 nine. yeah yeah get everything back (laughs) let's shuffle the cards and start again um but we got there we got there we got there in the end and um it brought up a lot of discussion uh my you know the favorite question my mum asked was but how does this difficulty adjustment dial like relate to bitcoin in real life ah ah, yes wow okay Mm -hmm. so we we got to have that discussion uh, and talk wow, about that is cool yeah. yeah so it is always bringing up questions um and you know well what is actually mining and uh why why do we have to throw this dice you know what does sim swap even mean you know really basic questions like that uh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but i didn't think bitcoin could ever be hacked it's like ah no it can't be hacked but it can be scanned uh-huh. or your computer can be hacked if you've got it on a hot wallet that's why you need it in cold storage. So all of oh, these yeah. touch points were happening in that few hour period that we were trying to, you know, get to grips with the game. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so perfect. that's so fantastic. I and I am taking notes as we've watched other people play to figure out how we can help others with the first time they open it mm-hmm. to get across that because if you're there to explain it, it it still takes a moment to it's so it's so different. The mechanics are so different. Um I found that Bitcoiners will some of them will pick it up very quickly and get competitive. If you have someone who doesn't understand Bitcoin, that it's not fun for them. Mm-hmm. So you you, you kind of have to just play the game and getting them started is the hardest part. So we uh, we will continue to iterate and uh, in future versions and try to come up with things. So what your feedback is is very helpful. And I'm really happy to hear that your your mom and, and dad were asking you questions uh, that that's that's, that's the part that's that we like, <laughs> and we actually advise Bitcoiners when they play with people who don't understand. Just don't talk. Don't mm-hmm. don't try to explain anything. Literally, just play, and then do play. It's a heck of a lot less. And just let him play, and so I think that's a, a fantastic story. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, just sit back and let the questions come. Right, that is probably the yeah. the best advice you could you could ever give to somebody that is playing with you know pre coiners, um, and and playing. Well, with can Lauren. I can I ask some? Can, oh, sorry, yep. can I just add something for myself? Uh, one of the reasons why Sky even created this game was to try to convince me that Bitcoin is important mm-hmm. and that we should do something about it. And I don't have a technical background. I have nothing, um, no no 
experience in computer programming whatsoever. And so when he started explaining the hash rate and all those things, it just went over my head. I just did not think I could understand it. And he created the game. And after I played the game, I went back to reading the book, Inventing Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading that book, I could picture the different mechanics of the game and go, ah, that's what he was trying to tell me. So the two of them together really cemented my understanding of Bitcoin from a completely non-technical person's point of view. So that's I would encourage that for, for newcomers as mm -hmm. well. Play the game and then read something really simple like a short book and yep. everything will kind of fall into place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've been reading your book alongside learning how to play the game as well because for, for the listeners that aren't aware, a book comes with it, a pretty substantial book, uh, which... Mm -hmm. um, it is very easily and and well written, and lots of quotes from Jan actually. So you, you're clearly fans of Jan's uh, work. Shout out to Jan Pritzker, mm -hmm. CTO of Swan, who who did write Inventing Bitcoin, and an excellent book, and one I picked up, I think around 2018 or 19, whenever it first came out. I remember Corey telling me about it. It's like, okay, yeah, I got to read this, and uh, it's such a great resource. It really is. Uh, so. Mm. Well, and what what what's interesting as well is that uh, clearly Scott was crazy Bitcoin guy in the family, driving everybody crazy, you know, crazy at the so dinner was. table, like yes, like many yes. of us have suffered. Yeah, but you've managed yeah. to um to to at least draw Talian, maybe not the kids. I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to that. <laughs> what what yes. kind? Of, what were those days like when you know? You've fallen, you've tripped up, you've fallen down the rabbit hole, and your whole worldview is getting completely turned upside down. It puts a strain there's, on relationships. It, so I think there's two parts. I, I, what I was telling Lauren earlier was is very true. I would get so upset when I would see things in the news, and yelling just didn't do anything. The dads would just think, or the kids would think, dads just. I don't know, upset about whatever. And they just roll their eyes. And and so there there was a, uh, I finally had a framework for things because from Bitcoin, I went to Austrian economics and then I started getting into time preference and it, just, it was just one thing after another. So that, that part was a relief. On the other hand, there was this uh, fear that I was missing out. I was in a fiat job that I didn't, I, I was doing things I didn't want to do because I had done all of the fiat recommendations along the way, go to a good school, get, take out some student loans, get a house. Now you got a mortgage. Now you have kids and a lot of dogs. And all of a sudden you're like, well, we really can't afford not to pay our bills. And so I was never, I, I was doing the game as a hobby. I was learning it because I like games and, and that. And so the, the, the flip side of the coin was I was also, kind of mad at myself for having allowed myself to get to a position where I was working in a place that I, I wasn't happy with. And then it was like, how fast can I get out of here? Have we already missed out? All the kind of the FOMO that you have uh, initially. Um, so there was, it was both one side was relief and I, and I was, and I had hope and I couldn't wait to share with people. And the other side was, Oh my God, look, look where I am. How do I, how do I, how do I move myself forward? Sort of like the, the airplane idea of putting the mask on yourself first. I need to, if I'm going to tell my kids about this or anybody else or my parents, brother, friends, 
And I'm not in a position that it's not like I say, Hey, look how well off I am because of all this, you know, I don't have any credibility, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, no, this is a really good thing. So, uh, you know, I have to help myself before I'm going to be able to help others. And so it's, it's kind of a, a mixed bag of emotions that, that were going on. Tali just looked at me like, okay, Scott's a little, that's what he wants to study. He, he can go do his thing. And she kind of gave me the, the, the spouse hand of, Hey, you know, I don't, don't really have time for this. You can tell me later. Uh, and I'm like, no, no, this is really important. Like you gotta, you gotta hear this. And I kept getting the, there's other things more important right now than kids, meals, whatever the, the, the issue was. Well, if you go back to those days, which is actually not that it sounds like it's a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, we homeschool our kids all the way through and we we actually read Rich That Poor Dad early on and we were bound and determined to teach our kids how to use money, how to work money, the difference between an asset and a do that, that kind of thing. So we were already making a lot of intentional effort to prepare our kids for their a successful life, right? So we were we would bribe them to play cash flow with the kids, you know, with jelly beans and things like that. We we had them study accounting, you know, from the time they were elementary school kids. But when we heard about Bitcoin, when he started hearing about Bitcoin, I was knee deep in trying to get them into universities because we're at toward the end of high school and the traditional route is you get them through high school, even if you homeschool, and you get them into a university that is a good name university, good program, good major, all that stuff. But when he started talking about Bitcoin and I didn't pay attention to him at first, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was preparing the kids for success in life. But as I started going down the rabbit hole myself, I started to realize that we were going in the wrong direction. We have spent all this time preparing them but we were pointing them in the wrong direction. So it actually helped me pivot my conversations with, with our kids. And specifically, um, my we when our kids graduated high school, I sent them overseas because I said, you gotta see how big the world is. You know, we they were raised in the American Midwest and purely Christian homeschooler communities. And I said, you gotta know that people believe different things and different things are going on in the world. You got to go experience them. So I, I send them off. And then from there, they were supposed to come back and go to university. But it was during that time when they were away that we were really just falling into the rabbit hole. And when, by the time they came back, I was talking to my son. He is 19, about to turn 20. It was the summer and he came home and he said, OK, I, I want to talk to you about my future. And I said, Nolan, if you don't want to go back to college, I'm OK with that, because we had already been exposed to all the other possibilities you know, the whole monetary system and this, the school system, all that stuff. You can talk about it for hours, right? But anyway, he said, he said, so I'm thinking maybe I don't want to go back. And I said, okay, that's fine with me. And he was so shocked. He mm-hmm. said, you spent my entire school, yeah, right? 12 years of formal, yeah. formal homeschooling education. It's like, why did you change your mind? And I said, listen, if you get information and you don't consider it, then that's actually quite stupid we we sent you off down the path that we thought was right, right? You went overseas, you went to a traditional university and we realized we weren't getting our money's worth. We realized that you are not going to be prepared in the way that we thought you would be prepared. So with the additional information that we now have, if we can still continue to go down that path, 
then that's really stupid of us. If you want to pivot now, just go ahead and pivot. Mm-hmm. So Bitcoin in that way literally allow our kids to pivot their direction away from how we have prepared them for 12 years, you know? And that's how it has changed our family's life. So Dan, just so you know, this the other thing about why this is such a big deal is if you've ever heard of the expression tiger mom, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, associated with uh, Asians that um, drive we lived in, the We academics. lived in Singapore for 15 years. I, I ver- I'm very aware of okay. what tiger mom okay. is. So, <laughs> so, so for, for, for Tali to... Well, first of all, like her, her side of the family didn't understand how she could go to school and get an MBA and then not go get a job. Like, what are you, what are you doing? That was hard. Um, but the whole homeschooling thing was, was difficult to hear. And now here we are advising their kids. You don't have to go to school. Uh-huh. You can, if you want, we'll support you whichever way. This, this is really internally with, with the, with the family, not expected. This is we're, we're kind of um, breaking new ground, I think, in terms of what the expectations were and what we're actually doing. So I just wanted to give you background. Yeah, no, that, that, where, her, where, you, where she came from like, to where she is today. That was a, this was a, a pretty, this was a pretty big yeah. change. So where, where did you come from, Tali? I was born in Taiwan uh-huh. and I immigrated here when I was uh, 10. Right. So it, mm-hmm. it is all about, education 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 especially in in taiwan it's the same in singapore south korea japan it's so damaging for for young children for for young kids Mm -hmm. it's um Mm -hmm. really bad Uh, in fact a friend of mine was an international school teacher uh well many in singapore but one in in particular in taiwan and she used to um coach the kids she used to teach at one of the international schools and then coach some of the kids after hours um, but they had to do it in secret. So uh, none of the other um, students or student parents um, got jealous or, you know, felt uh, left behind or felt the FOMO. Um, yeah, it was in uh, some of the, like the, the, the competitiveness uh, and the pressure that's put on kids. In, in Singapore, what we would see is, might be the same in Taiwan, but because of the heat, you'd have the kids at the school gates by 7.15 and they'd be, done by like uh 1 30 p.m but at 1 30 p.m that wasn't day over for the kids that was like no mm. mom picks them up right off the violin or off the piano whatever it would be some kind of classical <laughs> yeah. instrument it had to be huh? it had to be yes. no guitar or drums like no way mm. forget it yeah. you, you'll never be right. a percussionist or like no you will right. it will be classical kind of instrument uh, and then after that, it will be off to the extra um, mathematics lessons, uh, which mm-hmm. always took precedent. And what I found out, and yeah. this is what blew it up for me, uh, our daughter, our oldest daughter, Caitlin, at the time, we'd moved her from an international school into one of the state schooling systems, uh, which was just around the corner from us and a lot cheaper, almost nothing compared. Uh, and um, they were grading her at the end of the year Uh, and to where to shuffle her but at the age of nine and because she had fallen into like average of math then she was going to be average in every single other thing and so we pointed out to the teacher but her mother tongue is english she speaks english and you're putting her in Mm -hmm. like a a middle set a middle grade for english and Mm. like bringing home these 
grammar sheets, which by the way, are incorrect grammar and you know, is, is ridiculous what I'm reading. It doesn't make any sense. And there are spelling mistakes all over it. What's the point that like, you know, mm-hmm. oh no, mm-hmm. but because it's all on her math grade and it all suddenly clicked, it's like, ah, that's why the society is the way it is in which I've been living for the last six, seven years, whatever it had been at that, at that time, 10 years, probably. And, mm-hmm. um, Oh, that was uh, a real like awakening moment as to what the education systems do. And we can get into that, I'm sure. You you guys clearly made a a decision to homeschool. Uh, All four of your kids are from day one. So why? Mm. What what there's a rabbit hole that was obviously explored. What was the reasoning for that? That's best for well, you, Tali. Why don't you yeah, go ahead? I'll, I'll share a personal story, which I had in my mind when I was uh, watching my kids when they were little. So I have two siblings myself. Um, we were growing up in Taiwan and I was the, the A student. Like for whatever reason, I understood how to get high grades on my tests, right? So I was the smart one. Mm-hmm. And then my brother, he is sort of the social genius kind of person. Like anywhere he went, he was the head of the pack, right? He was, he was the, the leader of the boys and he has such an understanding of mechanical workings, like sort of mechanical engineering concepts. He, they're just effortless for him to pick up, but he was terrible in school. He was terrible. He was labeled a bad student. It really affected his self-esteem in a very, very profound way. And I remember specifically years ago, it was like 19, I'm going to go back 1983. And we were, because we were immigrants, we were put in the same English as a second language class. And we, and he was really struggling with, with taking even spelling tests or whatever. And I, for whatever reason, just kind of flew through, through all those subjects, but he, I remember him walking, I was sitting in class and he was walking by me and he was turning in his test paper and he was muttering under his breath, I hope it's an A, I hope it's an A because he had tried so hard to study for it. And the next day we got a test back, he didn't get an A and just the devastation that was on his face. And I knew he was a brilliant, brilliant person, but he was labeled a horrible student and you know, you carry that with you. I don't care how people justify it. You carry that with you. So our kids were little and like I think Brianna was like two or three. And I just kept remembering that story. And I did not want our kids to be labeled anything at all, except for what you're really, really great at. Because if he, if my brother had been labeled a mechanical genius, I mean, I feel like it would have changed everything, right? So I was really paying attention, especially for our boys, because they are very active. And when I first started hearing about uh, homeschooling, I remember hearing a story about this woman who would allow her son to jump up and down like on a trampoline while he was studying, because that's what he needed to do um, without labeling you know, any condition in particular, just boys need to move. And girls are more likely in general to sit still. So I kind of carry that in the back of my mind as I was watching them go through their preschool experience, because when I mentioned I wanted to homeschool, I got a lot of pushback from both sides of the family. They both on both sides, they said, well, you're going to, you're going to ruin your kids socially. They're, they're not going to be able to talk to people. They're going to mm-hmm. be like hermits and, 
you know, they're going to really seriously lack in social skills, all that stuff. So I put them in, in preschool. And I remember after a couple of years, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I don't know how they're being socialized there. So I actually called up the school and said, can I please come and just observe? I'll just, you know, I'll drop her off at the line and then I'll just sneak, you know, in from the side. And here's what I saw. I saw them, this is their socialization, right? I saw them line up the kids at the door and they held a rope and they walked on a line that was taped on the floor and then mouth closed, no talking. They go to the cubby hole area. They put all their stuff in the cubby hole. They stand back in a line, no talking still. They walk on a line on the floor. They go into a room. Everybody takes out a little piece of carpet square. They sit down on their carpet square no talking, no touching. Just don't pay attention to the other kids because they're supposed to pay attention to the teacher. The teacher does a little blurb. They line up again. They go outside to the playground and the teacher is like, playtime for 10 minutes, right? So I'm sitting there watching the kids. I'm like, this is supposed, she's here to socialize. There was no talking. There were people, there were kids like completely spread out on the playgrounds. One sitting on a swing by himself, like slowly swinging back and forth, one going outside. And then 10 minutes later, line up again and, you know, mm-hmm. walk on the line on the ground, blah, blah, blah. After two hours, I I said, oh, one more. So they also, it was around Christmas time. It was around Christmas time and they were supposed to make a craft, right? And they were making a Christmas tree with your thumbprints. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of fun. They can express themselves artistically, whatever. No, they were set on their square on the floor the teacher was at the table with an ink pad and a paper and they called the students up one by one and they held the child's hand to make the most perfect, beautiful Christmas tree. At the end of it, everybody's Christmas tree looked exactly the same except for their actual <laughs> fingerprint. Mm. And then they let out again and they, they were going home. I'm like, this is not socialization. Yeah. This is, this is what is it? Conformity training? Yeah, well, conformity. That was could, the last time yeah, I if put I could them add in. To, yeah. I mean, to me, there's, that the school want is expecting people to conform and mm-hmm. and that's where you start to get into i mean it could be indoctrination later with different different beliefs or it could just be following the 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 line um so you have the you have some bad things you can avoid with homeschooling and then on the other hand there are the good things because if you have a child who is gifted and wants to explore a subject that's not part of the normal curriculum you can let them explore as fast as they can. And kids mm-hmm. can learn a lot faster than I think we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to me, what Talia is describing to me is this kind of thou shalt conform exactly. kind of culture. And you can't control the narrative of what's being taught. Mm-hmm. And we don't want you to advance too far ahead. We don't want you to be different. Uh, you're going to kind of stay at whatever level. Mm-hmm. So kids can't explore the things that they're really good at. And, and so to me, there's kind of, you want to avoid some of the, the homeschooling to me was about avoiding some of the bad. Mm-hmm. You want the opportunity for the good. And then Tali wanted to have time with the, with the kids, as opposed to getting a job, paying most of it into taxes, the rest of it into somebody, you know, a daycare or other things, and then the very little time with the kids. So, you know, a third component was just, we want, Tali wanted the kids. She didn't say this, but she wanted to know the kids. She wanted to be the one who was you know, raising the kids and there's a benefit of actually being there doesn't. So sorry for interrupting you. No, no, but also just getting back to what you mentioned before, um, you were saying that your daughter was forced to be at the, whatever that medium, 
medium level was in mm -hmm. all subjects just because of one subject. Mm -hmm. So there's a book that really influenced my thinking early on, and it's a book by Jennifer Fox, uh, Jennifer with one N, and it's called Find a Child's Strength. Mm -hmm. And she specifically addresses how how wasteful that is for our human potential because everybody's born with a gift in some area, whether that is natural or uh, based on exposure to opportunities, everybody's gifted in some area. And if they're forced to waste time to bring up other areas, that's taking away the opportunity from to excel in, in one, right? And so when you are forcing the kids to all stand in line, oh, sorry, stand in line and walk forward together, like what you were saying, that's a waste of human potential. It truly is. So, actually, yeah. let me just grab one sec. Because uh, the whole socialization FUD is the biggest. It's the, the, the Bitcoin boils the oceans FUD of homeschooling. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I tried to... Here it is. Um, so, quick shill. In my book, Choose Life, I uh, in chapter... Uh, five about education and world schooling i i address this what's going on and if we so by looking at the definition of the word socialize or socialize but with a z you you american people uh you get the following definitions <laughs> <laughs> so one it, it's a verb right so one the first definition the first definition is to mix socially with others right that's what we just default think to definition two Make someone behave in a way that is acceptable to their society. That is what is going on. Mm. That's yes. the socialization within the education system. And that, mm -hmm. but what people don't understand is that that is happening to their children, to, to you as well. It happened to you. It happened to all of us. We have all been programmed. We went through it. We were mm. socialized. We didn't socialize. Mm. We weren't there having fun. Most people some people, some outliers will say, yeah, yeah, I had a great time at school because, you know, I had some friends and whatever else. Very few people are still friends with the people that they were forced into a room with at the age of 11 mm -hmm. for the next mm -hmm. five or six years of their life just because of some mm -hmm. random mm -hmm. algorithm threw some names together. Uh, you know, that's mm -hmm. not social. <laughs> that is no. forced mm -hmm. association is exactly mm -hmm. what that is. You had no choice. You better make friends. It, it, other, but basically, the, the relationships you made were forced relationships out of necessity. It's like a camaraderie uh, more than, uh, right. you know, it's almost like the, the camaraderie you'd find in a military unit just to get through, mm -hmm. just to survive. That is what is going mm -hmm. on in the classroom. There is nothing, mm -hmm. not one ounce of what definition one means to be social with other people. Like you, mm -hmm. you, you spent 90% right. of your time avoiding the people you didn't want to see or couldn't stand or were afraid of it's a absolute hotbed of negative emotive experiences that are draining the soul uh, and it's um yeah <laughs> such a damaging system yeah. but it's right. working perfectly as designed right as designed <laughs> I, I yeah that was uh, i think you were discussing that with nomad oh by the way i i I meant to do that up front. I wanted to do a shout out to Nomad and to Scott Sibley, both of whom um, did an introduction about the same time. So I just wanted to say thank you to both of them for, for that. But 
Um, it was also there that I learned about your book. So we have it on order. We don't have it yet. So Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, um, to, to reading this. We, Tali and I will, we, we love books. So we, we love learning. So I'm looking forward to diving into that. Mm-hmm. So it made, it made Tali jealous though, because I told her the title included world schooling. Right. And, and, uh, this was what she had hoped. She was really kind of hoping we would do and you did it. So a little bit of jealousy here. I just want to, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I try, I tried for years to convince God to quit his job and just buy an RV, like sell our house and buy an RV and go on the road with the kids. But I also heard about this French family who sold everything and took their kids on a sailboat and sailed the world for a year and came back. I'm like, Scott, let's do that. Let's go get a sailboat. You read about that in the four hour work week, I'm guessing. Uh, Oh yes. Oh yes. I remember that Mm -hmm. part in the four hour work week as well, uh, because that was the, that was the book that made me quit my job. And then that was yeah. a part in the book that made me think, huh, I could quit my job and then we could do, I mean, not the sailing thing, but we could certainly right. like, you know, rub our own little stank on mm. it and um, see what we can do. And we ended up home swapping mm. our way around the world. That's how we were doing it. But uh, have you, have you mm-hmm. ever watched the film Captain Fantastic? Did you see that one yet? I no. don't believe oh, so. Right. No, that, I'm taking that, notes though. So let me, let me, I'll, I'll get it down. Tali, here first, uh... Tali's, Tali's, I don't know, Scott, you might not want to watch it because it's uh, about <laughs> a family that go off and uh, live in a forest and RV around. And <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I had full fiat fear about trying to take care of the family. What and was I just, your, what was your profession? So, so, so ingrained. What was that? What was fiat? It, it was primarily... life? So I, I started out in the army. So I graduated in West Point, spent five years in the service and I got out and then I, I went to business school at Yale. That's where Tali and I met. My intention was to become a management consultant. What I ended up like doing, this is, that was just prior to 9-11. Um, what I ended up, the, the full-time offer I had from my internship disappeared, as did a lot of, a lot of offers. And I found myself doing more operations, analytical type of things. And um, it was just a, it was like a corporate job. And then from there, I transitioned more into operations with light, uh, light, um, I'm looking at the word here. So logistics and manufacturing, light manufacturing, mm-hmm. and did mostly distribution, spent a lot of time in warehouses. So I'd, I would just kind of put an umbrella over that as called operational so you had a lot of strategic planning and things, but it was also a lot of just tactical execution of keeping the warehouse efficient or the teams efficient. And that's, that's what, um, most, that's most of my career has been post army has been in operational settings. So why, why the army then? What, what was the, uh, decision there to go to, to West Point? Was that a family tradition Not, or? Yeah, I wish I, I wish I could tell you, I was like really smart. Back, you have to start the process to to that. You have to apply. You have to start really two years ahead of time to do that. My grandfather had gone to Kings Point, which is the Merchant Marine Academy. And my brother and I had the opportunity to visit one time. And I and I was like, why would anybody ever want to come here? There are no girls. Like I didn't, it didn't make sense to me. And then we, we were, I was trying to figure out how I was going to pay for college. And I started looking at ROTC. And then at some point, the it clicked. Well, Hey, if I'm looking at ROTC, why don't I just look at the academies? And I came full circle on it. So I wish I could I could say that I was really forward looking and understood the the how beneficial that 
uh, experience is. Now, in hindsight, I see that. I am so grateful for that experience. That that really helped shape me at a time in life when I probably could have gone one way or another. It's it's a really amazing. Anybody who is even thinking about it, I would highly encourage them to go. But I didn't I didn't understand what I was getting into when I started, and it's now with hindsight that I look back on just how uh, amazing that opportunity was. Have you ever read Preston's book about his life as a West Point? Uh, no, I haven't. Or uh, yeah, I, I, it, uh, I'm going to look. I'm going to look that up. I'm trying to get him. He has tentatively um, agreed to play our game out in Miami. Right. So I'm trying to get him, you know, as a fellow West Pointer to, yeah, for to, sure. to play. But I didn't. Um, I've listened to him for, I, I five six. I back to when he was doing the just value investing on the podcast before mm-hmm. the Bitcoin thing exploded, and I didn't realize that he had his own. I this whole time. So I will absolutely read that. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, if you do audible book, it's a good one to have on in a car. It, it's it's a riot. It, it's funny, uh, and the guy who. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, it, it's um. And I've have had him on the podcast a few times, asking him about a few of the the funny experiences that he mentioned uh, in the book. Uh, so it's uh, it's definitely uh, worth a listen. Uh, so Tali, you 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 still ended up at Yale, huh? You did the whole thing as was expected from a Taiwanese family. Uh, mm-hmm. You must have been the uh, the pride and joy for for them to write home about and uh, and tell like aunties and uncles and everything. Um, right. Because you know, emigrating away from a country is still a huge decision, right? I'm sure that your your parents made at that time. They were probably looked upon with uh, sideward glances from extended family members. And here we go, like retribution. Our daughter made it to Yale, so you fulfilled. Yeah, it. I I fulfilled, but um, I went there probably for the wrong reason, which I think is not uncommon for a lot of Asian students. Because they they go forward with so many expectations from their family members. So originally I was gonna go pre-med. And if you know, for an Asian family, you have five career choices, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in the day, mm-hmm. you can do medicine, mm-hmm. law, business, uh, some kind of engineering or computer. That's it. Those were your five choices. There was no other choice for you. So I went, I'll, I'll go pre-med. I went and I did an externship at the university hospital. I was at University of Virginia and I realized I didn't want to be in that environment. It was just very sterile for me. And I realized too late that it wasn't what I wanted to do. I'm like, what the heck am I going to do now? I don't want to be a doctor. I don't be a lawyer. I don't want to be an accountant. What are my choices? So I kind of blundered around a little bit, eventually decided I will go into business And I went to Yale and my intention originally was to go into investment banking. And in fact, I actually did my internship with Lehman Brothers in London um, when I was an MBA student. And when Scott and I got together and and 9-11 happened, I thought, you know, life is short. I don't want to do something that my heart is not in. So when we had our first and I was holding her in my arms, Originally, the plan was for me to go back to work because we have a we had a hefty, hefty student debt that we were so confident would be so easy to pay back at the time, right? It was like 2000, early 2000. And so I was holding her in my arms and I had a, um, a nanny already lined up and I was going to go back to work. And 
I looked at her. I'm like, I don't want to hand her off to be, to be raised by somebody else. So we talked about it and I decided to stay home with Scott's support and my family flipped out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare you want to give all of your loving attention oh. to this incredible young new life that has entered uh, yeah. this planet. I mean, what, what are you crazy? Like get back to work. Get <laughs> yeah. back to that office. I was, I was insane. I was, ins I was a crazy person, but I understand where they're coming from too, because if you work your whole life and you give up everything, as immigrants, we had nothing. We had nothing. And you you work so hard, you get to where you think you're just about to kind of enter the promised land and walk away from the doorstep. I can understand why they would think I was crazy. Mm -hmm. And I questioned, I, I questioned myself numerous times over the last 20 years, especially as Scott's job is changing. And I was thinking, you know, it wouldn't be this difficult if I was working. And then we would have these family meetings with the kids, you know, because we wanted to be very open with them with all our decisions. And so we would sit down and be like, okay, if mom goes back to work, you guys will go to school and we'll have more money. You know, we'll have more, you know, we'll have the opportunity to take vacations. Like, you know, some of our other family members and friends will be able to do because we gave all of that up, right? But you understand that you will be then under the control of the, your teachers and school system and things like that, let's take a vote. Let's everybody be a part of this process, this decision process. And it took place several times over the last 20 years. And every single time the kids are like, we'll give up what we need to give up, like unanimously. We'll give up what we need to give up so that you can continue to homeschool us. So this in the beginning was our decision, but throughout the, the 20 years, it was a family decision. So. Mm. So a lot of people listening that uh, have never even considered homeschooling before, probably not, it, probably because they didn't even know there was a choice. Uh, in some countries, right. especially in Europe, there are some countries where it isn't a choice, uh, in which case get out of that country because you're living in uh, an authoritarian dictatorship. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I know it's different from state to state uh, in the US. Um, explain how, like, uh, a typical day might look because most people just picture in their head, they picture a classroom at school filled with 30 kids. And then they just overlay that picture to the kitchen table. And instead of there being 30 kids, maybe there's three, but mom's still at the front or dad's still at the front and the blackboard comes out and uh, it's like, okay, kids, it's trigonometry for the next day. Right. Oh, buckle down. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And then people are like, I could never be able to do that. I'm not smart enough to teach my own kids. And you're like that. You see what they did to you. Mm -hmm. You see the words that are coming out of your mouth. That that is not your true self mm -hmm. speaking. That is somebody has put that program. Yeah. Um, hold on a second. I think our internet is unstable. Okay. Are we back? Mm -hmm. Right. Sorry. You're. Um, uh, yeah. Are we're. I think we're back. Us? Can you hear us? You're kind of yep. frozen right now. Okay. Am I moving again? Uh, let's see here. Uh, no. One, we can two, hear you. One, so as long as you're, you, are we moving or okay. are we frozen? No, no, you're moving. You're moving. Um, okay. Yeah, so you're back. You're good. You're back. Okay, good. Um, yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, go for okay, it. Okay. So I, I am not. I was not a typical homeschooler. I, I was the crazy tiger mom, homeschool person. So we did do some of what you described, which is I stood at the front of the the house, I mean, the, the room that we were in and I did 
talk to the kids as a group. But we, I actually consider our schooling more uh, on the go schooling because we, I signed them up for everything under the sun because, well, okay, I signed them up for everything under the sun for a couple of reasons. One is I believe that the ability to perform is exceptionally important for success in life. That's not something that is heavily encouraged. It's sort of an elective for most people, but for me, it was a requirement because the ability to speak in front of a group, I think is key, no matter what profession you go into. So I put the kids in a lot of performing arts programs, young enough when they didn't know any different, they didn't know to say, you know, I'm too shy or I can't do that or whatever. They just did it because it was a place a mom brought them and they developed this incredible um, level of confidence that I think is is really uh, quite visible when you talk, meet them in person. The other thing that I wanted to make sure they were doing was a, a lot of sports because I think in the past, at least now, not so much, but in the past, the Asian families really focused on academics and sports was just kind of like a thing that you didn't waste your time on, you know, but I believe in the physical fitness related to your mental fit fitness. So one of the the books that I read that really made an impact on me was the, um, uh, it's called, it's by uh, the Institute for Human Potential. It's called How to Teach Your Babies to Be Physically Superb. And that sounds really crazy because I'm not actually raising them to be Olympic athletes, but it's just the the idea that if you give them the opportunity, they will develop skills because kids are very adaptive. So we were on the go all the time. They did karate, they did dance, they did drama, they did a lot of different kinds of sports. Mm. Uh, we were schooling with tons and tons of field trips. I put them in Toastmasters because like I said, public speaking is really, really key. And so if you say a typical homeschooling day, actually there was no typical homeschooling day. We were always doing something very different. And I think one of the one of the things that people don't understand about socialization when they talk about homeschooling is that our kids are exposed to so many different types of situations and they're exposed to so many different types of people that they're able to talk to people in all age groups, right? I think when you're forced to be in the same classroom all day, every day with people your own age, you just get used to interacting with them. But homeschoolers can talk to very old people. They can talk to very young kids. There's such a wide range because they're constantly exposed to them yeah. and they're practicing their socialization skills all the time. Yeah. yeah. So can I... <laughs> Please. Daniel, if I could just add my point of view on what that would look like. I remember when the kids were young, Talia had, she also had workbooks on every subject. She she wanted them to know Greek be in Latin because she thought that would help with vocabulary. There was math, there was accounting, there's everything. So there's always this pile of books and notebooks that would be going with Talia to the, to the family van. And there was a day when I don't remember what the occasion was, but I was going to fill in for her. I forget what it was. She said, can you just do this? So she, she said, I'm going to simplify the day for you. So she did a couple activities or, or subjects and I couldn't keep up with it. So here I am trying to keep up with the thousand things going on, like in a, in a warehouse or a, you know, whatever type of building operation you can think of. And yet I felt like I couldn't handle one day with the yeah. the crazy schedule that she had because she would she say okay we're going to listen to this audible book uh between karate and gymnastics and that was whatever lesson and then 
maybe there'd be a different thing that they would listen to from one thing and another. And they say, okay, while this kid is doing this, this one's studying this. And then you throw on top of that change of clothes and some food things. And I was, I was completely lost. Uh, but somehow to me, a typical day meant Tali was going to work in all the activities and she was going to get every subject possible. Every minute was going to be something <laughs> in there. If you're in the car, you're, you're probably listening to some type of book on tape or I guess audible mm -hmm. tape, uh, mm -hmm. audible book. So there was, there was always something. And then you could just, you'd have your books with you, your notebooks. So even if you were in between and you couldn't get home, okay, well then you're just going to study in the car. So your classroom was not the kitchen table with a mm -hmm. chalkboard. It was the, the books next to you. Okay. Time to do your math, time to do your vocab, time to do your whatever fill in the blank uh, type of subject you can do. So to me, it was, it looked like a crazy schedule mm -hmm. to me. Um, that's what my impression of what a typical day looked like. Well, so. if I can add to that, also, I was heavily influenced by the Charlotte Mason method. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, they, okay. So they, they really stress teaching kids subjects from living books written by authors who were passionate about their subject rather than textbooks written mm -hmm. by textbook writers. And so what I really wanted to, and also the, to not water down original great works so that they can better understand. Like, so if you, if you read any of the original, like, even if you read like the Pilgrim's Progress or uh, Gulliver's Island or something, they're always like the original. And then you have the junior version where the words are simplified, the sentences are shortened, that kind of thing. And Charlotte Mason says, no, you just show them the original beautiful work that was acclaimed for its quality. And you let the kids absorb what they can from it. And so when we were driving places, even when the kids were very little, I never agree with the grade assignment of material learning material like i think that's really dumb i think just let them absorb what they can absorb because they will shock you with their ability to absorb stuff right and so we were listening to just amazing literature on tape um, and i've asked some questions afterwards but you know kids are absolutely incredible learners you know they absorb without even consciously understanding that they're absorbing mm. and so we really try to follow that route i exposed the kids to like when they were little to college level courses because I really like the professor and I love the professor's ability to explain concepts. And so even when they're in elementary school, I'm like, let's listen to this lecture. <laughs> so yes, we did yeah. a lot of really crazy stuff. So in that way, I think I'm very atypical because I think more most homeschoolers would rather follow like a stepping up curriculum setup. Yeah. yeah, and I think, I mean, just for the listeners that don't do homeschooling, this would sound intimidating. It's not because <laughs> let me, I, I, we, we need to put a little caution here because the, the expectations of what you need to do for school, there are so many resources you have, first of all, the, just with the internet, you have a lot of free, free resources. You can go to Khan Academy, you can go to sailor.org. You can go, there's so many just on YouTube. I mean, that was one of the things that helped me understand blockchain was to actually watch someone do a demonstration on, on hashing and what it, it did. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's what that is. And you also have co-ops. So you can, there are a lot of creative ways of, and you just basically coordinate with other small groups and maybe Tali could teach Chinese and I could teach trigonometry and somebody else could teach whatever. And it, it, it's a way of kind of divvying up the work. And then mm -hmm. some people will go to small 
I guess they're almost like private schools. And you could say, we're going to sign our kids up for one day a week because we don't know biology, but they have a biology teacher there. Mm -hmm. So there's so many resources Mm -hmm. available. I don't want people who don't homeschool yet to be intimidated. It's the, the resources and the support that are, that are out there to do this are just amazing. Mm -hmm. And you, you also have a very low risk because you think about how fast kids fall when they fall off a bike and or anything else. If you mess up and you don't teach the kids enough of whatever it is at grade level X for, for math, they, they can recover so quickly mm-hmm. with subjects. Mm-hmm. So you have near zero downside that you're going to do long-term damage to your kid because you, you, you felt like you didn't teach at the, a high enough caliber. And on the other hand, you have huge upside potential because mm-hmm. now you can expose them to things they other would, otherwise wouldn't have seen and at a pace that they otherwise would not be allowed to, mm-hmm. to pursue. So my, my, I'm, I'm sitting here and it's funny for Tali and I to tell stories. We think it's funny to tell people all the scary stories. Um, <laughs> I kind of forgot who were, some of the people may not do this yet. And I want to encourage yeah. everybody. This is a worthwhile investment of your time. It's very worthwhile. You will, you will not regret doing it. And if you get overwhelmed and the kids end up going back into a traditional school, they're fine. There's no permanent damage done. You have zero downside on this, but the upside is so amazing. I I just wanted to add that because I, I feel like we're we're kind of going deep down yeah. the story yeah, of how so, that is. So I mentioned that because I get too excited. I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for for a beginning for a beginning homeschooler, there is such a huge amount of support out there and there are whole homeschooling communities everywhere now in every shape and form so like mm-hmm. scott said you can when you get to high school level some of our homeschooling friends they don't teach any of the subjects they basically bring the kids to a consortium of sorts and it's basically kind of like part-time private school so the kids go to school two days a week and then the other three days they do homework under their parents supervision but it's still considered homeschooling and you mm-hmm. still have a lot of control over what they're studying you know exactly what they're doing what teachers are telling them you choose the classes that they sign up for so that's on one spectrum and then the other the spectrum you can go crazy with pulling resources together yourself and everywhere in between all you have to do is ask a question to a fellow homeschooler it is such a wonderful community everybody's willing to help so very helpful yeah sort of like asking another bitcoiner can you help me with my Nostra account. Can you help me with right. whatever it is that you want yeah. help with? I guarantee you someone in homeschooling will help you with any question you have. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. so long way of saying, please don't be scared. We, right. we want to encourage people to yeah. do this. It is absolutely worthwhile. Yeah. And what better investment can you make than the kid's future and right. helping them critical thinking skills, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So. You're totally right. It's a completely asymmetrical bet is not even the right word there but it, you know it's uh it's all upside no downside and even on the downside you have the safety net of the public education system or state school education system which you can just fall straight back into anyway and when you do fall straight back into it you realize oh shit my kids are a year ahead of all these guys <laughs> right exactly <laughs> or two yeah. so yeah. perhaps it wasn't yeah. such a bad idea and perhaps we shouldn't be sending them back anyway so like that there, there is no downside to at least yeah right given it a try um yeah. but what happened during Daniel, covid uh, people have been 
like uh, damaged permanently, I think, about the uh, the idea of homeschooling from COVID because that's what they believe homeschooling is. Like it wasn't that mm-hmm. that was forced school at home. This is not the same. Not the same. Nothing no. near no. the same. So if anybody's no. got no. that like nagging doubt in their mind because of what they went through, that was hell. That was not your choice. That was forced on you. No one was ready for that. It was disgusting right. in every manner. Uh, so right. it's definitely yeah. something. That... So, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I I wanted to add to that. The other thing is I I don't I don't want people to walk away and think that I am down. Like I went to public school. I don't have anything against someone who chooses that, but it doesn't have to be all or nothing either. So you can still teach your kids the subjects that you want anytime that you want. So for example, let's say you're in a situation and you say, for us, we really need the two, uh, both uh, spouses to be working. The kids have to go to school, but you know what? You could still, you can still do things together. You can still study Bitcoin and play a game and mm-hmm. maybe go to a meetup together. There's, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be Bitcoin. I, that's obviously what we're, we're focused on, but it can be anything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, can, you can still add whatever you want to your kid's education. You're not trapped. If you want to go 100% to homeschooling, obviously that's what we've been talking about. But it, if you can't get all the way there, you're, it doesn't mean like that's it. There, you can still take advantage of all those free resources that we talked about. You can still take advantage of extra activities mm-hmm. and you can still, you as a parent still have that right. And so when you say self-custody education, it doesn't have to be hundred percent to the homeschooling. And it, it just means like, at least be aware of what your kid's learning, making sure they're getting the right thing. And if you don't have the ability to teach it, then find the resource for them. Mm-hmm. Right. That's all take control yeah. over it. You, you have that ability. So and homeschoolers are so primed to find Bitcoin as well. Right? These are two camps of people that are just Speak ready to find there. each other. And, <laughs> and and I want you to talk about like uh, your your conference experience because those people that have separated education from state are going to separate money from state. It, it's just hand in hand, and vice versa. You know that yes. that's why so many Bitcoiners are waking up to the idea of even those that haven't had kids yet, even those that aren't even married yet, or is still single. They pull me aside at conferences and, uh, and uh, um, you know, they'll say, because of what you guys have been talking about on podcasts about homeschooling and, you know, like unschooling or world schooling, call it whatever you like. It doesn't matter. My kids are never going to go to a state school. I see it now. And they can see that clearly because they've got Bitcoin. They already have Bitcoin. And in five to 10 years time, they know they're good and they know they're going to have that. They won't have to have mm-hmm. two working spouses in fiat clown world you know they, mm-hmm. they might be employed within a bitcoin ecosystem but that'll be a lot more flexible and time will be on their you know spent in a much more um uh, discerning manner and making a decision about you, your kids future whether or not to homeschool i think it's just going to be a knee-jerk reaction yeah mm-hmm. why would i i mean i i don't need that facility so why would i use it it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. so what right. did you experience at your at your conference because you went to a homeschooling conference i believe right so i i first of all i agree with everything you just said there i i think just just like now most bitcoiners would agree they they see how energy and mining companies are coming together it's it's the when you talk to Bitcoiners, like you said, even the ones that don't have family yet or have young kids, you're, you 
you can see how they're going to gravitate towards homeschooling or self-custody of the education. To me, what I saw, and I'll let Tali go, she has more of the, she's much more of an expert in homeschooling than I think I am. But what I saw is I, these are people who are already primed for, for Bitcoin in so many ways. And um, that's why I shared with you some of the, the thoughts that I was um, trying to put into an, uh, an, an article. There's so many ways that the homeschoolers are like that, but they don't know it yet. And to me, that was frustrating. It This is a worthwhile cause. These are people who understand the concepts, but there's a lot of FUD. There's a lot of fear. There's some trends with the, the moms generally were the most apprehensive and say the dad's are going to do the finance or Bitcoin. But to me, I I was really hoping for a more receptive audience there and more deep conversations about what is available um, because they are so Bitcoin. They they just don't know it. And I I struggled with that. I There were certain times during the conference when I was really down. Uh, and then there was times when I was like, well, the potential is here though. If we keep at this for... We keep going to conferences. If we keep talking to people, is it a year? Is it two years? Take a, a low time preference perspective on this. Someday, as we advance up the the adoption curve, this next group of people is going to come, and we want to be there to help them uh, with that step. So that kind of gave me hope for the future. But I, I just honestly, I was hoping for a more receptive. They're so primed for it. I was hoping for a more receptive. Um, oh, thank you for coming and showing the light. Uh, no, that's not not what I saw anyway. So no, we we actually I was sort of sitting in the corner of the booth and watching people go by, and Scott was sitting and like standing up in the center, and I was watching some people walk by, and they'll read our sign, and they would be like, "Oh, Bitcoin," and then they would walk by, <laughs> and I thought, you know, I felt so sad because it's because of what they've heard in the news and they don't understand. And the few that were willing to stand in front of me and have a conversation with me, the most common thing they said was, I don't understand it. And maybe my husband will understand it, but I don't. These are the moms. But who's homeschooling the moms? 99% of the time is, I mean, homeschooling the kids. It's the it's the moms, right? Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they don't believe they can understand this thing, which is why I was trying so hard to explain to them I was in the same boat. And that's why we created this game. And we want to use it to explain to you what it is in a way that at least takes away some of the fear of the unknown, right? It's like the limbic brain. If I don't know it, it's dangerous. So there were people who were willing to at least talk to me, but gave up walking away thinking they just won't understand it. And then there were people who came up and they were already Bitcoin investors. They would say, oh, I already invest in Bitcoin. And I would say, well, how are are you investing in Bitcoin? Oh, I have some stocks that are in Bitcoin. And I said, but do you know know what Bitcoin is? No, I don't. I just need to know if if it's going to go to zero. And I said, well... Let's talk about the fundamentals of Bitcoin, right? And so you have these two, you have these two groups of people. One one notes that it is important, but they cannot possibly have the hope of understanding it. And then the one that thinks they understand it, but they see it as an investment vehicle. Two, I mean, from from the people with the babies that they're still, you know, they're wrapped in their on their chest, to people who have been there for decades, like some of the vendors when we were talking to them. 
almost across the board, I would think they are, they fall into one of two camps. And so we spend hours discussing it during and after how do we help them bridge this gap, this knowledge, this knowledge gap, right? So at the last convention, he gave a talk and I was standing in the back of the room and I was watching the room and I knew the people who had come because they had stopped by our, our booth first. And I knew half of them came, they already have some knowledge and half of them came, they have no knowledge at all. So you know that they're interested in learning, but even, even the talk that we gave was, wasn't too much. So we got to bring it, we got to like tone it back even a little bit more and go from the very basic, like beyond personal finance. Because when you talk money with homeschoolers, they immediately think Dave Ramsey. Mm -hmm. They think if mm -hmm. you don't get, get into personal debt, then you're okay. If you're operating on a cash basis, then you're okay. And so that's your, that's your primary focus. When they mm -hmm. teach money to their kids, that's what they're teaching. I think we need to bring it back and even just challenge that concept, which is, you know, beyond personal finance, what if you've done all those things right and you still lose? Yeah. So you just know. a Daniel, I'm not sure. Have you ever been to a homeschooling conference? I have not. Okay. So there are many homeschooling conferences across the, the U S and depending on who's organizing it, they may have a slightly different way of doing it. But I think essentially it, you have two big things. You have an exhibition area. So think of a very large, large room filled with these 10 foot, um, 10 by eight booths where vendors will set up and tell you about their college, their curriculum, their games, whatever it is that they have to offer. The other thing, the other big attraction is actually speakers and workshops. And they have a very, very detailed list of subjects that people can go and do either a workshop where you go and do something, maybe it's on a smaller basis, or sometimes they'll have a large auditorium because they have a, a very big influencer who's going to come in and speak on a topic that they're all interested in. So you have this mix and your clientele or if you're the attendees, they're, they're often families. So sometimes it's a, it's a couple, but I would say at least half are actually bringing their kids with them on this venture. So there, there are kids out there walking around in there. There's not just adults. So you have, um, I, don't know, we had, I think they said about 5,000 people in St. Louis, and we're getting ready for the Cincinnati homeschooling convention in two weeks, and they expect to have around 15,000. Hmm. So imagine 15,000 uh, uh, homeschooling uh, people or couples with their kids walking around either in the exhibition area talking and looking at materials or dragging their kids to listen to people speak about whatever subject there's, if you have a kid who's autistic, you're probably going to listen to that speaker. If you have someone who's interested in, in science or whatever it is, you, you, you name the subject and they have the breakout area. So those are your two big draws. It's materials and you have speakers and they go there and they, they spend a time kind of going back and forth. And uh, you often will have the speaker. If it's interesting, then they'll go to the booth. And they'll say, oh, I liked what Daniel had to say about, you know, world schooling. And then they'll go and maybe mm -hmm. there's a world schooling booth by Daniel Prince. And they'll go over and try to talk to you more and mm -hmm. get, get your personal feedback on what they should do with theirs. So that's kind of the, the big breakdown. So what we had, we had a booth and we set up and we just played the game in our, in our book. And then we also did one workshop. And one of our lessons learned as we go into Cincinnati is, we're going to change how we do the booth. It's going to be much more over the head. Here's Bitcoin. We're not going to try to start with sound money and go soft with it. 
we're just going to say we're Bitcoin and let's just go straight forward. And then we're signing up for three or four different workshops to present. Because what Tali was describing, when you have a split audience, it's very difficult to to reach both. Mm-hmm. So if I give a presentation on essentially imagine the chapters in the book that says, here's why there are wallets, here's why there's havings, here's why there's a hot and cold wallet, then the, we want to focus on that. Whereas if someone is just completely, that's going to overwhelm them, then maybe Tali wants to do something where they can just focus on a much lighter version of what's going on. Just, just focus on why you should understand Bitcoin Yeah. beyond that it's something you invest in, you know? And I think one of the things we talked about with the adoption curve, the first adoption tends to be people who are willing and have the time to, to invest in listening to hours and hours of podcasts and many, many books and Mm -hmm. um, investment to learning the subject. Second wave probably will involve more people who have less time. So for example, at the homeschooling conference, if we want to reach the next generation, we got to be able to reach the moms, mm-hmm. right? So if mm-hmm. the moms don't believe that it is critical for their kids to understand how the monetary system works and why mm-hmm. Bitcoin is important, it's not going to trickle down to the kids. So we got to at least convince them that they this is a subject worth investing their time in, but also lead them gently so that we're not telling them you got to spend the next you know, 100 hours trying to understand this kind of thing. Yeah, Daniel, this is like, how do we get them to ask us, what's this difficulty adjustment Mm -hmm. like your mom did? Like, how do we do the same with the homeschooling mom to say, what is this thing? Because if we can at least, at least if we can start the question and the conversation, we have a chance of them going, taking the next step and the next step. If they don't even want to approach, then it's, it's just going to be very difficult to you there's no, you have no almost no chance of going deep on a subject and explaining it so who are the who are the speakers who are the influencers that that hit these conferences and uh you know go around the scene do you know well there so in the in the homeschooling world there are podcasters that have a lot of um audience support but they're not really influencers per se. We have a lot of curriculums that are very established that people go to these conferences looking for. So places like the Rainbow Resources, um, that's a, almost like a catalog, like a Sears catalog for homeschooling curriculum. You have Sunlight, which is a very well-established uh, homeschooling curriculum. You have the Matthew C., uh, the DEM learning, and then you have the IEW, the Institute for Excellence in Writing, and then you have um, ABECA, you have Classical Conversation. These are just established curriculum, mm-hmm. so not necessarily an influencer per se. So there are a few new ones that are popping up that are specifically addressing um, self-government, like the importance of first, second uh, amendment kind of thing, but they're not tying it anywhere near the monetary system. And they are certainly not connecting it to Bitcoin. I think I I would say I would say as far as ninety nine percent of the people who were there don't consider Bitcoin as a money standard, and even a step backward, they don't question the monetary system. Like they would mm-hmm. teach their kids. Like there's one curriculum that teaches using the book called Whatever Happened to Penny Candy, which talks about inflation, but that's that's basically it mm-hmm. you know they they're not necessarily tying it to an alternative they're just saying 
this is what's happening. This is why inflation continues to rise. And you got to have two jobs. You got to have one job where you earn your money and then another job to keep your money, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, so, so Danny, what did, are you, are you interested in, I, I don't actually know the speakers because I'm as a game person, I, I can go to game conference, but I, <laughs> um, the, I mean, I don't, I don't know all the, the, the speakers. I didn't do a lot of, I think some of them are like PhDs or, mm -hmm. or maybe they're teachers themselves. And I think some of them come from the institutions that you just described, Tali. Most of them, I, most of them focus on uh, math and reading and uh, Bible and history. Mm. Right. Yeah. I just yeah. wondered if they had some of the, think, the, the big authors there, mm -hmm. like um, uh, Peter Gray or somebody um that, that might uh, draw a crowd um cincinnati it's cincinnati what homes homeschool conference or something i'll just uh, you're gonna look under this is called great homeschooling conventions it's a, it's just homeschool not homeschooling great homeschool conventions yeah. and then when you click on it that organization has five locations and then you it's not the easiest website to drill through but if you pick cincinnati mm -hmm. then you can there'll be another thing they'll say speakers and they'll they'll show you um, it, it kind of reminds me of like the Bitcoin conference. They're going to show you all the, the people that people really want to come and see. Yeah. And you can read their. Yeah. I'm just wondering who they might be and, and how we can reach them. Um, mm. Top speakers. Let's see. But I like the way you're thinking though, mm. in terms of being able to make an, um, kind of, to, to kind of crack this, and make it a, a subject that's okay to talk about and get get them past that yeah initial question initial fear absolutely um there's absolutely nobody here i i recognize i've interviewed a lot of the um the the people a lot of the authors like i've never been to a physical homeschool conference but i've hosted um two online ones and and we would have people like peter gray i've had so ken robinson on um before he passed uh, Pat Ferenga, which runs all of John Holt's work. Um, I've had, you know, him on the, the podcast before. Um, Naomi Fisher, who's a, a psychiatrist in the, uh, in the UK. So I just wondered, oh, and Jerry Mintz, who runs Aero, the uh, alternative education resource um, out of, oh, he, their conference is over on the West Coast, if I remember correctly. Uh, so yeah, the, I would like to, in fact, I need to chat with Pat again to see if he'd come on the, on the podcast. And each time I speak to these people uh, and Peggy Webb as well from um, West river Academy, uh, I always mention Bitcoin and like, you know, what are you doing to educate the kids around Bitcoin? Are you going to bring this into the curriculum? There's a whole resource out here that is basically a secret for want of a better word, because no mm -hmm. one's using it. No one knows about it, but now we've got a booth turning up in a homeschooling conference with Bitcoin written all over it, and people are walking past it. This is a travesty. Like you know, this is this should be a mm. honey pot because a, a homeschooler's mm. mindset should be, what's that thing? That's exactly over yeah. there, right? Exactly, yeah. and, exactly, that's exactly. Exactly what we're trying to figure out, yeah. and we're trying to iterate. So we, that's actually, a... it. It was actually interesting that we had really wonderful conversations with some of the other vendors. Mm. And three of them were representing universities there. So they are mm -hmm. trying to recruit homeschoolers for students. And I'm trying to figure out how we can bring a game event there, you know, mm -hmm. to their campuses. 
is. That's so, a Bitcoin game event. A, big, a... a Bitcoin game event. So <laughs> I, I actually went to my daughter's uh, college the other day and I sat in the cafeteria mm -hmm. and I just kind of hung out with her friends and I, and uh, they're they are all there for different majors. One of them was a business major. And I said, so do you know anything about how our monetary system works? And he said, no. Mm -mm. And I said, have you, have you heard about Bitcoin? He goes, well, I've heard of it. And I said, do you know anything about Bitcoin? He said, no. And I said, would you all be interested in learning more? Because I will be willing to bring our game over and just have a, like an informal game night. Like I'm not even going to go through the uni university and go, can you, you know, sanction this? I'm like, no, I will bring it to their dorm and I will play with them. And it takes, you know, it takes one person to start talking about it and that person can spread to another person, another person. So I think it's going to have to be grassroots. Yeah. But I am trying to get our game brought or at least discussion of our game or even a demonstration of our game to college campuses where we can to start conversations like that. Yeah, this is I have this to is go. I, wasn't I had to, um oh, and I don't know where exactly. I, oh, I love it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't it. know exactly where he is though, um in in relation to to where you guys are in the states, but it's number 322 on once bitten. It's Blake Kaufman 17 or Kaufman, however you however you would um pronounce that. He's a 19-year-old kid in his college dorm mining Bitcoin uh, in a cool box to keep the thing silent. But he's he he books wow. professors' office hours, any in professor office hours he can get. Doesn't matter if it's he's studying the yes. subject or not, and goes to them and talks about Bitcoin. Yeah. So he would love. He's trying no, to host I... a Bitcoin meetup. He would love to have you guys over and get a bunch of students around just to play the game. Um, so oh, yeah. if you listen to yes, that episode, yeah, sure. um, get a feel for Blake and then um, either okay. DM him or, you know, I can make the introduction, however you want to work it. But that would be that is, an amazing thing. That would be amazing. Oh, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. I There was a, we come, we're, we're coming at this from other angles too. So every year, uh, my brother and I would go to a game conference in Indiana called Gen Con mm -hmm. and Put it in order of magnitude. Last year at Bitcoin 22, I think they had 30,000 plus attendees. Mm -hmm. Gen Con is between 50 and 60,000 gamers. Mm. So it's it's quite it's quite intense. Um, and instead of getting a booth there, like we did with homeschooling, they have something called Trade Day, which is focused on educators. It's sort of like Industry Day before Miami is the day before. So Trade Day is focused. And you'll have either retailers, which I guess I kind of fall into, and you also have educators. So they'll have teachers and librarians that'll show up there. So I am I have three sessions approved so far for the regular breakout sessions during the conference. And I'm waiting to get approval to present, uh, basically huddle up as a case study of teach game schooling um, at trade day. So that to me is a, it's, it's not nearly as big, um, but if you want to talk about grassroots, if I could get a librarian or somebody to get this into a school, mm -hmm. or maybe someone who has a whole school district, and I can get a, we can get something that, I, I don't know what we want to call it, an extracurricular or a, a workshop or a summer after school something program. I don't know what, but it's a it's another angle to try to reach educators mm -hmm. and. Um, that that won't be till August, so that's it's a it's a it's kind of far away. But we're just trying every angle we can. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we can get the students to do it, that's 
that's brilliant. We can get that to catch fire. Mm-hmm. That would just be, as opposed to the top-down parents saying you should do this, yeah, or uh, an administrator saying that. If if we could actually get the students, so I like that best. But um, there I'm come a, from all angles. Actually, at the the homeschool convention that we were at last time, we had a couple of high schoolers who came by, and they showed so much interest. They kept coming back and coming back and asking questions and touching the game pieces and everything. And I said, so are you here with your parents? And he goes, yeah. So they, it took them some convincing to get their parents to come by. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones who were going to tell their parents about Bitcoin. Oh, I like that. Using our she, game. Kids going to orange yeah. pill their parents. The oh, high schoolers. Now, I mean, obviously not the younger ones, but yeah. the high schoolers, they were a couple who came by over and over again. And I was like, you gotta, you gotta bring your parents, dude. You gotta <laughs> bring them back over here. And they did, they did. There's, so. there's another great piece of um, fud busting uh, to, to address uh, about homeschooling before we uh, start to wrap it up. And I'm glad um, I just caught you uh, reference it again here, Tali. And the, the big fud is, if you homeschool your kids, they're never going to be able to go to college. But you just said. Colleges go to homeschool conventions to recruit homeschooled kids. So that completely yeah. turns that FUD upside down. Uh, and I know for yeah. a fact mm-hmm. that you've had your kids through college or, or you know, will have your kids through college mm-hmm. without even stepping foot inside mm-hmm. of a, you know, a, a state school or even a private school. So what would you say mm-hmm. to people that are um, you know, hung up on, on that part of their decision-making for their kids that they will never be able to go to college oh no so i actually through our we we spent about two years in the college admission process and i talked to so many admission officers and every time i i would kind of poke them with that question do you view homeschoolers differently from any other student and they said no i mean that was a thing of the past i mean maybe 30 years ago they might have questioned you know, your your homeschooling methods or whatever. I think everybody now recognizes that homeschooling produces really wonderful critical thinkers. And some of them went as far as saying, we think homeschooling students are better. You know, I can't tell you mm-hmm. who they are, but um, we didn't have any trouble with the admission process. Our only trouble during that time was COVID. And it was just this crazy, weird, you know, some kids took a year off and then next year there was like three times more applicants than usual kind of thing. But honestly, I think the biggest question you need to ask yourself is, is college necessarily a part of your student's academic training? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it used to be that you should. Now I question it, mm-hmm. unless you're specifically talking about going to you know, medicine or engineering or something that requires it. Mm-hmm. But if you do decide to go that route, for sure, there is no problem. I think all the schools out there recognize, even when we were touring Yale and I asked the admission uh, officers, open, like outright, I said, do you have homeschool kids, purely homeschool kids on campus that have applied and have been accepted and are students here? And they said, yes. I asked that question at Princeton. I asked that question at all the schools that we visited. Yeah, my my recommendation, Daniel, would be so first of all, let them know if you were talking to someone. Yes, it could be the academies, it could be colleges. Yeah, even they, academies. They, they, yeah. they will accept homeschoolers, but you should probably do your homework early. So if you mm-hmm. if you wait till you're the equivalent of a a junior, like a uh, you're seventeen or eighteen, and you're getting ready to 
apply. If there's anything that a certain school that you want to go to requires, it's very late to try to add that. Mm -hmm. But if you have an inkling of where your child may be interested in going, do your homework a couple years ahead. Because then you have, you still have the opportunity. If they say, well, you really need a sport. Well, there, there's homes. We, our kids were, our boys were in homeschooling soccer. There's, there's, uh, you, they did drama, they did robotics. So there's, if, if a certain school has a certain requirement, whatever it might be, you have plenty of time to, to figure out how to make sure that your child's application has that. Just don't wait to the last, mm -hmm. to the last moment. If you just, no, other people have already done it. It's sort of like just breaking that that framework. Hey, I can't get, I can't do a four minute mile. The human flight's impossible. So, hey, homeschoolers do go to college. Yes, <laughs> they do. Break, um, break that paradigm. Yes. Yeah, and then just say, just be smart about it. If you can, you can make your life a lot easier if you if you do that three or four years ahead of time. And say, wow, this school really focuses on test scores, or this one only focuses on extracurricular, whatever their school might be if you do that with three or four schools you're going to have a really you're going to you're going to you're going to figure it out and then you're going to say okay we're mm -hmm. on track or we need to add something or whatever it is uh, i want to add one tip to that you definitely want to start early and for homeschoolers especially i think it's really important that you have third party stamp of approval which sounds really awful but it's true so for example we homeschool full time but we did put our kids in uh, a homeschool homeschool organized robotics team. So it was organized by somebody other than us. Mm -hmm. And so that gave us credibility for the robotics mm -hmm. team. And then we took our kids to uh, drama, which was at a co-op. Mm -hmm. And so somebody else signed their name on that thing. So just having third party, I guess, evidence is one way to put yeah. it. Um, mm -hmm. The part-time sort of cottage school situation, which is almost like a part-time private school, that's very powerful. So for subjects that you can't teach yourself, like I don't speak Latin, but I wanted our kids to know Latin. So I brought them to a college school program and they learned Latin and logic. And their report card from that institution gave us credibility for that part of their curriculum. And so you got to just kind of collate all of those things. Obviously, you're still in control over what your kids sign up for. But if you have third party um not recommendation. What do you call it? Third party. Um, I don't yeah, know. I'm going to call it it's, evidence it's, again. It's like, yeah, um, yeah. But if you have it's like that, proof. it's like social proof, but for it's education proof for yeah, for, yeah. Um, And it could be anything. It could be sports. It could be drama. It could be robotics. Like I said, it could be Latin. It could be biology. It doesn't matter. But you know, it's like somebody other than your own name on everything that helps a lot when you're applying to colleges. Right. So. Yeah, so colleges will often say we want recommendations. Well, if if you need three recommendations from teachers and you're the only teacher, that's hard. So, mm -hmm. doing what Tali just described, you can figure out, okay, we're going to need a recommendation. Where's a school where my kid can we can do one of these programs that fits, and then you can say, hey, can we ask for a recommend? Even if it's a couple years early, you can still do it. So, just um, yeah, get that. I don't want to call it stamp of approval, but you just well, put the whole package kind of, together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we have we have family friends who who actually were full time homeschoolers, and they were accepted to the Air Force Academy not long ago. Mm -hmm. um, West Point, I think, had one or two, and we they have full rides to other colleges. So it's, I mean, we see it, we we've experienced it. So it's definitely possible. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's great. Now that that's all fud busted. So anybody listening, no more fud. They're gonna get socialized. Right, they exactly. can go to college if you want. If you want to burden them with yes. all of that student debt, then you know that's your choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just had another thought about um, does uh, Jeff Davidson ever go? He's the executive um, lead at uh, Sailor.org. Does he ever go to any of these homeschool conferences? Because we could, I'm sure we could get him up on stage talking about Sailor Academy as um, as a you know viable option for not going to college for homeschooled families. Right. And they have right. the whole Bitcoin course set up there, which I think Stefan devised, or did he do the Austrian economics one? But it, right. it's all there. Uh, and that's just another touch point. So perhaps um, we can yeah. get you guys mm. in touch with I, I did not see him there. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Actually, that uh, would be a great, a really great, mm. great speaker. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. I just need to know your, uh, like, what's the, that that'd be, it'd be an interesting, it'd be interesting too, to see what, what would pull them in which part of it mm-hmm. is it do you go directly at bitcoin or is it I mean, what is it that um I, that's a i'd love the idea so the, i mean mm-hmm. bitcoin's the trojan horse at sailor.org um because uh the, the main attraction there is it's free you know it's college level education mm-hmm. without certification because of course you know it's like starting a bank you're never going to get that fdic license uh if you're going to start a university you're never going to get that um mm-hmm those certification licenses either but but for a homeschooling crowd five thousand people listening to ah so they can get a college education but don't necessarily will not necessarily Mm -hmm. get the 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 certificate but they won't have 200 grand's worth of debt Uh, Mm -hmm. there's there's that's an interesting angle um right so yeah i'll I'll get in contact with jeff and um, Mm -hmm. and we could even put something on the So Daniel, what about this? We um, we, we had talked to to Jordan at Thank God for Bitcoin, and because there's a heavy heavy Christian uh, percentage of the the attendees are heavy Christian, so we had that on display mm-hmm. at our table. Um, if there's something for Sailor.org, even if we're not selling, we could at least put it there. And I'm just I'm just trying to picture what that would look like, but to, that people would I they had never heard of. Thank God for Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? And and we're like, okay, well, well I mean, it, I mean, it's it didn't start a conversation with everybody, but if we could, you know, if we're going to be physically at a conference anyway, mm-hmm. it won't be. I don't think it'll be as powerful as what you described with with Jeff's speaking, but we could certainly test the waters yeah. in Cincinnati in a couple of weeks and sure. mm-hmm. think about what can we put out. Um, I'm thinking just like a little eight and a half by 11 table topper type of thing that says, Hey, do you know you can get free college? That's a very, very big topic in the homeschooling world right now. <laughs> yep. Very big topic. And I think there's a very huge trend that's very popular where they have the kids do dual credit classes during high school. So they're basically doing half of their college in high school and then they come out and they go to community college and then they finish. So that's a very popular trend. Mm-hmm. That's their way around this, this whole student mm-hmm. debt thing. Mm-hmm. And they, there is a there is is very popular for them to want to pay everything with cash, so in general, homeschoolers don't like debt. Yeah, that so. might be the way. Wow, maybe that's the way. Then, if he were to speak and say, "Hey, did you, here's an option for free college," mm-hmm. like if that if that was the title of something along those lines, I, mm-hmm. I you'd have a packed house. Okay, I would, mm-hmm. I would suspect. I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah. So I'll get on to yeah. Jeff, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get that conversation. Uh, 
going. And at the very least, if you guys are, you know, two, it's going to be two weeks before this conference. At the very least, get some pamphlets or something on your on your table to hand around, and then yeah, hopefully for sure, we can yeah. plan for the next conference for Jeff to be a speaker. Or you know, um, we'll get the flywheel turning. Well, uh, absolutely. So absolutely, I love that. Yeah. Final question: uh, If you had one last orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to, and why? So we, we well, talked about this. I was going to let Tali's going to answer for both of us if that's if that's acceptable <laughs> to you. Well, I'm going to use a pill cutter and I'm going to cut into three pieces. All right. <laughs> we have four kids. We have one who has been orange pilled, and we have three who know all about Bitcoin, but they're sitting there thinking it's not that important. So I would give them each one third of a pill to get them closer to the rabbit hole, mm -hmm. and hopefully, time and circumstance and life will bring them to the rabbit hole and down the rabbit hole but that's what i would do yeah i was gonna say kids i, I just like I, I the fact that um if anything were to happen to tali and i we have this the the book in the game and so it could be years from now if you're looking at this from a low time preference thing if i just give a lecture and i say this is why you're going to study we're going to force you we're homeschooling you have to listen to this I, I don't think we're going to be very effective. What we we really want them to want to understand this, and not everybody's ready at the same time. Mm -hmm. So for me, I almost look at the game and the book together, almost like it's an orange pill waiting for you to to do more than just play the game uh, you know, with it. And then when you you get curious and no one's around, the book just point can point you to resources to get more information. It's essentially like the two years of well, one is to have to half of it explains the mechanics behind the, the the game itself and then the other half of it is just resources so to me it's it's almost meant to be an orange pill but for me it's uh tali and i were in agreement if we had we, we just that we're going to start with our own family yeah. and it this is something we're going to try to not be uh, over the top with we we just we want to still be able to uh, for them to come and talk to us and not think this is a forbidden subject because we're going to be ranting and raving and laser eyed and whatever else they think we're <laughs> we might be so love it yep well thank you both so much for for coming on and, and giving up the time and uh, i i know you've been working on the game for a long time you so say you've put a lot of time and effort into that as well so let's make sure people know how to find you and where to find the game uh and uh if they want to learn how to play it before even ordering you know, perhaps uh, talk about um, the the YouTube channel or the YouTube um, uh, kind of uh, game explainer that you put out there. So, the plebs, how can the plebs find you in the uh, the most uh, effective Certainly. manner? The, the effective manner. So, uh, a lot of people are still using Twitter, despite uh, Noster uh, rising and what's going on in the Twitter. Um, I'm at Scott Lindbergh 93. And we also, the easier one to remember is at free market kids and then free market kids altogether, free market kids.com from there. You can, you can see the huddle up game and Daniel, thanks for mentioning the videos. If you actually scroll through the media that are in the product description, there are two videos in there. The one that you mentioned that was helpful is one of those videos. So if you start with freemarketkids.com, go to Hoddle Up, and then scroll through the different pictures, and at the end you'll see a couple of videos. That's, that'll be very helpful for learning to play. 
And then at the very top of the website, uh, something new for Tali and I, we are, uh, we recently, like this past week, just set up a Patreon as well to try to help support us as we go to these different homeschooling events and meetups and other things that we're, we're doing. There's a link to that as well. So any support would be greatly appreciated. Excellent. Yeah, we have set a goal. To, we have set a goal to bring the game to all 50 states before the next halving. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so we, lofty goal. So, so not to extend this too long. So we went to the homeschooling conference in St. Louis. We coordinated with the St. Charles group while we were there. Mm-hmm. And they did a game event. We played, they had a couple of tables going and we spent over five hours <laughs> talking with those guys. They were a mm-hmm. wonderful group. Mm-hmm. And Tali's like, and we've already gone to Lexington to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Tali and I are, are doing one here in, in Louisville. We had a chance to do it at Bitcoin Park in Nashville. Yeah. She goes, oh, wow. She was like, well, we've got Tennessee. We've got certainly Kentucky, Ohio. Now we've got Missouri. She goes, let's do all 50 states. You know, let's do it I before it. the next having. All right, there's there's and, a few there's a few uh, things that that might be able to help you here. Um, list on Geyser. Okay. Uh, uh, list your project on Geyser to to get that fifty states, and uh, then plebs from all over the world can send you directly Bitcoin. Uh, so that's a G E Y S E R, which would probably be more favorable to to plebs than than Patreon, um, because we can just send you Sats immediately. Uh, so you can get that project mm-hmm. listed, and then. You know, Mick and the the gang over at Geyser can help you get set up very very quickly. Uh, so reach out to to Geyser and say you want to list the the, the project there, mm-hmm. and uh, join Orange Pill app uh, because I'm on it. Okay, mm-hmm. of course. I think yep. we chatted on there, but you did you see that they've up, uh, updated the app and you can now list events. I saw that, and then I went to try it, yeah. and it still said when on my per, on the phone, it it told me that I was my I still couldn't. I can try it again. Right. When I first saw that, I immediately went there to try to uh, add an event, yeah, and I wasn't able to. So I thought maybe it's just a timing with the the rollout. It could so. it could be that it could be exactly that. So if you go back again and try, because if I look now, I'm opening the app. It's brand new this week. It just went live, uh, and it's pretty exciting. And for those that don't know, you'll be able to list your meetups, uh, whatever it is that you're um, discover events. Okay, so if I hit discover events, I've got all of this upcoming. Um, my nearest one is 166 miles away in Andorra. Whoa. All right. <laughs> my. Friday. That's tomorrow. God damn, I can't make that. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Held by Lola. Who all right. Hell- yeah, th- Hello and welcome to the launch of Bitcoin Andorra. I love it. No crypto, no NFT, no shit coins, no speculation. <laughs> yeah, I love Hit it. Signal. So I'm hitting on it. Yeah. So when I do it, I'm still getting coming soon. Okay. Maybe, Maybe you need to so, using so, your app. Do, uh, go to your. Is it because he's in no? Your... Go to your app store and just make sure that you've. It doesn't say update next to your app. If you just open the app store and put in oh. Orange Pill app, it might just need a quick uh... update. I will uh-huh. do that right after. I I don't dare do the uh, interfere with anything that might impact our yeah. our satellite connection right now. Yeah. So uh, I will do that. I will do that right after. So no, we um yeah we signed up for the, the orange pill, especially since we were traveling, and it has helped. We've made a few connections because of it. Mm-hmm. And with the we're doing, we have a Bitcoin meetup in Louisville, 
and uh, we have used that to find a couple of people who didn't know about us as well. So mm-hmm. it's um, it has a lot of potential, and we're gonna we'll do our best to help uh, help use that and make connections. So yeah, it's the best way for uh, for plebs to find each other through the uh, sort through the noise and just seek down that signal. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, a pleasure getting to know you. I look forward to seeing you in Miami. And uh, we'll, we? we'll be up to. Will you have a table there to play the game? We are. We have a. We have a. Well, we have a booth in the the bazaar. We'll have the game out. That makes it a little challenging. We will have the game out the day before Industry Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan's going to let us set up a table for the Thank God for Bitcoin. If anybody comes out early, maybe they can mm-hmm. swing by there. But we will have a booth in the bazaar. Right. So. All right. Look forward to coming and finding yeah. you guys. Take care. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Scott and Tali. And go and meet them in the bazaar. I did because they were right across the hall, right across the aisle from the Orange Pill app booth where I was spending some time with Mateo, the founder of Orange Pill, and Knut. Knut and I were both signing out books from the booths there. My book, uh, Choose Life which like complete and utter random chance a homeschooler a world schooler the world schooler that wrote the introduction the foreword to my book his name is brandon pierce he and his family inspired my family to take our first steps when we were in that dark deep process of trying to extricate ourselves from fiat life and i found his family blog about how they were traveling with three three kids around the world and I emailed Brandon because I was looking for that that confidence, you know, that conviction, uh, and just to know that there was another family out there traveling around doing the thing that we wanted to do, but they were proving it. And this is what we talk about, do your own research. And he was so damn nice. He, he responded to me, and then we bumped into them on our world travels. And there he was, standing in front of me at our booth, and he'd never actually seen a physical copy of the book. So I was able to sign him a book, and I walked him straight over to Scott and Tali and introduced him to the guys and uh, showed them, uh, showed Brandon Hoddle up and how it worked. And it's just get yourselves out there, guys. I, I don't know what to say. I, I bang the I bang this drum as much as I can. Like the social layer of Bitcoin, uh, it opens up so many random events, so many incredible meetings, your network explodes with positivity with people that you want to be around, people you want to build with, people you want to help, people you can add value to. Uh, if you go to Orange Pill app and you download the app, it, it's a paid app. It's three bucks a month. What does that do? Well, it keeps it Bitcoin only, right? Because crypto bros and robos are not going to join. It's going to be full of high signal and on there, the events tab, there's over 350 at time of recordings, 362 events live at the moment, I think. And you can scroll through whether it's nearby or upcoming, and you can start planning which events you want to hit. And they could be anything from the latest conference that's coming up to just the pleb meetup in your village you had no idea even existed. But there it is on Orange Pill App. So whatever you guys can do. To help Scott and Tali, reach out to them if there's some way you can add value. If you're in the homeschooling crowd and you've been brought to this podcast by your other homeschooling Bitcoin friends, then if you go to the conferences, please go and say hi to the guys. Tell them you listen to the show and there's there's a way that you'd be able to help. Because the more we can do to help people realize what Bitcoin is and what alternative education is, which is nothing alternative about it, 
It's the actual way we freaking learn. The way we do not learn is being put in prison with 29 other strangers for five days a week, eight hours a day, doing low-grade clerical work. That, my friends, is a gulag. The way we learn is by connecting with each other, building out this social layer, and getting to you know, spend time with the most amazing people like I just did in Prague and I did in Miami and I will be doing again in July at the BTC Adventure weekend in the UK. In August, there's Surfing Bitcoin. In September, there is Riga, the Baltic Honey Badger. You can use code BITTEN to get a 10% discount off of that one. And Free Cities Foundation, Liberty Now Lifetime in Prague in October is going to be one of those really life-changing or life-altering mind-bending conferences that you can go to and listen not just about bitcoin but about all of the parallel structures that are being built out there alongside clown world where you can get to escape to so hit the link in the show notes get your ticket use the code bitten get a 10 percent discount come hang out with the free cities foundation guys as peter young and timothy allen who are brilliant bitcoiners in their own right and come and explore Prague with us. It's it's an incredible time and there will be some big name Bitcoiners there too. So if you are a Bitcoiner and you want to go and hang with these guys, you get to do it in a much more intimate setting rather than a, a huge convention or, you know, surrounded by 5,000 other people. Make sure you're stacking your sats. You know who to use. Swan Bitcoin in the US, Relay across Europe, Coin Corner Europe and the UK, Global Hodler Hodl. They are KYC free. Wasabi Wallet have you covered. If you want to break that uh, affiliation with these apps or exchanges, you can use the CoinJoin service. Please make sure you're cold storage-ing your Bitcoin. And you can use the Bitbox02 for that. Bitbox.swiss forward slash Bitten. Use the code Bitten. That saves you 5%. Go check out mempool.space. More coming from them soon. Use that as a visual aid to orange pill as many people as you can. And I think that's everything. And last, Shield for Consensus Network, their booth at Prague was amazing. I was up there signing books alongside Knut, Yoni Appleberg, Svetsky was there. Safer Dean had a booth right next door selling his books in different languages. What a consensus. They are a publishing house for Bitcoin-only books or Bitcoin-related books. And they are turning these books, transforming them into as many different languages as they can. It's a pleb initiative run by plebs that are all pitching in. I'm more than happy to shill them. You can use code BITTEN to get a 10% discount on any book that you can find on there. And they do have a lot of languages and more being added all of the time. And if you pay via the Lightning Network, you will get another 10% off. So they're doing great work, global education push. Thank you, Consensus, for everything you're doing. Nico and the team, Luke and everybody else, Edouard that I met at the booth again in Prague. I'm going to stop rambling now, guys, but you know what to do. Get out there, social layer, meet your plebs, build and support your plebs. Catch you on the next show.